0: I don't think they're going to get ever very emotional about it. I don't think they're ever going to deviate and I could be wrong. And maybe one day we're going to watch this podcast and I'm going to sound like an idiot. Um, I really believe they're going to deliver a Stanley cup to Montreal. I really believe that. I don't Tone, know. When, I do too.
1: I, 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 I believe I've, that. Yeah. I really got that feeling too. I hope they do for the fans. There's no question. The fans deserve it here. Uh, they've suffered for long enough. When I stepped on the ice, I never backed down. And I never stayed down. And I was vicious and I was malicious, and I don't care. <laughs> I'm alive. He's a freaking madman. Look at him going I'm to town. That'll be a suspense. So awesome to have you here uh, on the Raw Knuckles podcast. It's about time, uh, that I've had you, and. Um, geez we got going we got rolling tim and i and we were looking for all the names we could get and just try and get that following for the two of us and i started going back to my roots i guess here and i want to i certainly wanted to have you and this couldn't be a better time um listen uh it's great to have you great to see you um you're looking good you know i love you and uh you know, we both have something in common, and we both are former employees of TSN Yeah, 690. And we'll get to that down the road. But mm-hmm. what I want to ask, and I've never asked, I've always heard the Tony story, how Tony from LaSalle got yeah. on the radio. And I want to hear it from you. And I know, certainly you're a fan of mine back in the day, you can yeah lead us into that but you're a big fan of Ted Thieven so let's hear it let's hear it rip it
0: Nux um my first passion was um was the Montreal Canadiens because my first memory of sports was believe it or not I know a lot of people exaggerate stories but you know in in your life when something happens it's just one of those moments that marks you well I was six and a half years old in 1979 when the Canadians played the Bruins My parents came here from Italy back in 67, and it didn't take long for my father to fall in love with the Montreal Canadiens, because that's what everyone did back then, right? They loved the Montreal Canadiens. So his first taste of the Canadiens, he really, his first love with the Canadiens began with the 71 Cup. Still to this day, he talks to me about the Canadiens, you know, upsetting the great Bobby Orr and great Phil Esposito and the great Boston Bruins in seven games talks to me about that game when they were down 5-1 and they won 7-5 and uh, they beat Chicago in the final by a score of 3-2 game two uh, game seven in Chicago and um, you know he tells me that he and his buddies back then they went to the airport to greet the team and, and celebrate the cup so that's when he first fell in love with the Canadians. So then he got to um, understand the rivalry between the Canadians and the Bruins in the 70s, obviously, and the Canadians and the Flyers before that Uh uh, with the Broad Street Bullies winning a couple of cups. And 1979, I'm six and a half years old, and I can't remember everything, obviously, but I do remember, like, the loudest cheer in my house ever and that's when Lafleur tied it versus the Bruins with less than a minute and a half to go in game seven versus Don Cherry's Bruins, and then of course we all know that Yvon Lambert scored the winning goal and so that's when my first memory of sports was that, and I fell in love with Guy Lafleur and there we go
2: that's it he's done i
0: <laughs> I always have his jersey very, very, very close to me, right sign right there and um I picked that up a couple of um, Christmas, not this past year, but the year before. And I said, to, I, I had a LeFleur jersey growing up. I had a Chris Nyland jersey growing up. I had a Brent Gilchrist jersey growing up. Don't ask me where that came from, <laughs> wow. but I did. Um, wow. But um, that had but, to be. You probably got that
1: from the bulk bond or, or yeah, dollar no. store or
0: something. Actually, oh. the, the real story, <laughs> I'll make that one quick, is is that. I got my way into a Canadian's practice when I was about, I don't know, 18 or 19 years old. And uh, I got in, but the practice was over. And the only guy on the ice was Brent Gilchrist because he had a broken hand. Okay. So uh, I actually sat down on the bench and I watched Brent Gilchrist skate around and try and shoot a few pucks and try and stick handle. He came over. He talked to me for about 20 minutes, Nux. And it was like, I just fell in love with the person. You know, as much as he was a good mm. hockey player, he was, you yeah, know, well, yeah, he was a good he hockey was good. player but i fell in love with the person so i went out and encouraged them and i bought his jersey but so but once again right, just enough to get about back gilly. on track, enough yeah, about yeah. gilly let's go I, I, you know my my first love <laughs> my first you know uh love was the canadians back in the late 70s and then in the 80s of course that rivalry with the bruins uh, we used to tease each other my my friends and myself at school there you know montreal after the canadians uh, the most fans that any other team would have would be the bruins i guess right yep. And so uh, there were a couple of Bruins fans in school and we used to tease each other. And sometimes they used to get, we used to get into fistfights to tell you the truth over the Canadians and the Bruins rivalry. That's how intense it was. And God forbid, if one of them would tell me that Knuckles lost a fight, like I, I, I I would go crazy. Like it was, it was like you were, you were, you were harming a member of my family. But uh, so, so that's the story. But look, I never knew how to skate. My uncle, uh, because my dad was working a lot, my uncle put me in hockey once. I stepped on the ice. I probably f- I, I spent more time lying down on the ice than I did skating. But by the time the game was over, the coach came over. He gave me a little cart to go to, to to go to take skating lessons or whatever. I never continued. I played soccer, uh, and I always wanted to do that for a living. But I knew I wasn't good enough. And and so with the years, my passion for the Canadians, my passion for sports. I started listening to sports radio. I really loved Mitch Melnick a lot. Uh, I still do today. Uh, and uh, back then there was a show on Sundays, which was um, which was uh, Mad Dog, Mike DeCastris, and Mitch Garber, which yep. was a show that I used to listen to as well. I like that one. But with all due respect to those greats, Ted Thielen was was my favorite because – he just he was he was more than a sports radio host he was a personality he was funny he was an entertainer he, he, he was he was an incredible entertainer an incredible showman and that's the kind of radio that appealed to me a little bit more than the rest and um when my buddies were going out at 15 16 17 i would stay home and i would listen to Ted Tevin show all the time and he used to host a show uh on AM 600 from 10 p.m. To 1 p.m., and I used to have my yellow Sony Walkman. 1 a.m. Yeah, uh, the, <laughs> the yellow Sony Walkman, that big one, and I used to yeah. go to bed with the headphones on, <laughs> and I used, to, I used to give Ted Thievin a call. I would tape my conversations, and uh, so, you know, I, I taped them. I said, maybe one day I can, I can use them. It can help me get a job or whatever. And I, Nux, one night, I remember I had a great call with him, And it's about 12.56 a.m. He's about to sign off. And he says to Tony from LaSalle, you have the goods to be in this business. And to say it inspired me is an understatement. And I knew I wanted to pursue it. And. I, I, You know what? I contacted everyone there was to contact in hockey, from Bobby Clark to Ray Jean Houle, sending letters of recommendation everywhere. I contacted Mitch Garber. I contacted Pierre Maguire. I went to knock on the door where Melnick was working at AM 600. And, uh, and he said, maybe you can start off in sales. And it took a while for me to get my break in radio. Did you start off in sales? Uh, No. So no, I I knew I didn't want to do that. I felt that if I was going to start in sales, they weren't going to take me seriously. And I never was going to end up on the radio. So I was looking for a miracle. Um, One of my friends, uh, one of my dad's friends, who's also a friend of mine, Pino Azzaro, he's the former general manager of the Montreal Impact. He won uh, the cup with them as their GM back in 1994. In 1995, when he left the Impact, he started a radio show on an ethnic station, 1280 AM, or it was 1410 AM back then. I don't remember which one it was, but it was one of the two. It was probably 1410 AM, as a matter of fact. And it was going on Sunday nights from midnight to two in the morning. And he asked me if I can help him out and do some research work. And I did. And he gave me a taste of doing sports updates. So I did sports updates. That was my first taste. And then I got a Montreal Canadiens accreditation. I remember my first day that I took in a Canadiens practice to go do some reporting. Um, Kirk Muller was called up to see Serge Savard. And on my very first day, Kirk Muller was traded to the New York Islanders for Pierre Turgeon. And I remember being part of that scrum and holding out the microphone and interviewing Kirk Muller. And he broke down and he started crying and I started crying too. I, you know, nuts me. It doesn't take much, right? (laughs) He started crying. I started to cry. And then I said, I don't know if I could do this. I mean, Uh I was, I was way too emotional. And uh, long story short, I, I you know, uh, I had a little experience there, three, four months. We did that. And then I met Wayne Buse at a Shom FM golf tournament. He was their uh, sales manager at the time. And we started talking and he recognized and you weren't my,
1: golfing. Uh, no. I was no. golfing that day. You as a were? Of fact. Jeez. Yes. Yes. Well, that's surprised yeah. right. I should
0: go <laughs> golfing more often because it got me a job back then. But. So I met Wayne Buse and we started talking. He recognized my voice. Hey, are you Tony from LaSalle, the guy that calls? the? I said, yes, I am. So he said, "Uh, yeah, you you like hockey. And I said, yeah. He says, well, you know what? My buddies and I, we do a hockey pool every year. We'd love to have you. So I said, sure. So we kept in touch. I went down. I did his hockey pool. I won the regular season pool. We get to the playoffs. I won the playoff pool. And so for whatever reason, you know, I caught his attention a little bit. Wayne Views moves over to the Team 990, and he becomes their sales manager. And um, one day he sends me an email, and he asks me, and it says in the subject field, do you want to be a star? And um, wow. and, he, and he said, call me. So he said, listen, I want to propose something to you. He says, CJD has a Habs postgame show. We don't. Uh, we'd like to have one, and I'd like to put you on the air to do it but I don't have any money and I can't pay you. And I said, oh. listen, I mean, I appreciate the offer. Really. I do. It's got nothing to do with the money. I would do it for free. Uh, I'm just not qualified for that. Like I, I just, I can't go on and host my own show. And he said, uh, yeah, yeah, I've heard you before. You can do it. Trust me, you can do it. So I did it. And, um, and um, I did it with uh, Sean star. If memory serves me well. And um, about a month later, I asked a couple of people for their advice, and Pierre Maguire told me, whatever they offer you, never say no, just say yes. So I said, okay. So they came back to me about a month later, and they said, hey, guess what? Some advertisers came on board. We're generating some revenue. We'd like to start up a pregame show. Would you like to do it? And I said, yeah, I would. So um, now I, I, I start off the, the pregame show. So I got married in 2001. I start volunteering my services at the radio station September of 2002. I start volunteering with the post-game show for the first month. Then October, November, December, I'm doing pre-game and post-game. I'm never home. I'm working in a completely different industry where I'm working for a hotel. That, that Poor I'm, Angela. I'm You're working for home. a company that makes those, uh, those access uh, cards to open up uh, the yeah. locks in, in hotels and stuff. And I'm working in a customer uh, service position. And uh, I'm never seeing my wife now. Uh, my beautiful Italian mom is telling me, you're crazy, your wife's going to leave you, you're never home, this, that. (laughs) I said, mom, I'm trying to pursue a dream here and I have the support of my wife. Thankfully, I did. So I did that. And then with the revenue that was generated, September, October, November, December, Wayne Buse comes back to me and he says, listen, we've now generated enough revenue to open up a full-time show. And the only show that existed on the station back then was the morning show, with mitch melnick so he says we're going to open up an afternoon drive we're doing the auditions two by two we have seven people auditioning why don't you come in and you make it an even eight and i said i'm not qualified for that and he said just go for it you got nothing to lose and so when i did my audition i did it with sean Starr. i was paired with him there were four pairs of two and um i do the audition and one day i go back to work and i get called into the office this is in the in in that uh Uh, hotel access cards company that I'm working for. So I get called into the office and they tell me that in six months, I'm going to lose my position because the entire department is being transferred and relocating to Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So I'm distraught, Uh, you know, married a year before uh, had secured a job, which was a pretty decent job. And I'm losing my job. I get back to my booth, to my cubicle, I pick up the phone. I'm going to pick up the phone to call my wife to share the bad news that in six months I'll be losing my job. The phone rings. It's Wayne Buse. He says, "Um, yeah, you got the job. You're going to be co-hosting with Joey Elias. You start January 6th, I believe it was. So I'm like, oh, wow. So now I'm going through a roller coaster of emotions. I, I know I'm going to lose my job, but now I got another job. So I went home. I talked to my wife about it. She was pretty excited about it for me. And then I talked to my, my parents about it and being as supportive as they are. They're like, you're not going to do radio. You're an Italian kid from Salle. You got no chance. Stay at that company. You got a good office job. They'll like you. Something will open up. And then because I wanted to pursue this when I was a teenager and my parents talked me out of it. And I always my parents um, opinion was very important to me. And this time I put my foot down. Uh, because I was close to 30 years old. I could. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I put my foot down you and I said, you can move out now. Tony. Yeah. Yeah. And I
0: said to my parents, I said, look, this is the way I look at it. I'm going to lose my job in six months. If I take the radio job and I lose my job in six months, it's the same thing. I would have lost my job anyway, but I don't I'm not going to spend the rest of my life wondering what could have been if I don't do it. So I accepted the job and the rest is history. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah. When you made
2: those calls, <laughs> when you were, you know, those first calls, were you calling because you wanted you know, people to know, like, your opinion? On, like, because I have friends, like, my some of my yeah. good friends are from the south side of Chicago. They're Italian. They're from, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, they're actually from Calabria. Is that where? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah that's and, where and my wife's the, from. Yeah,
2: yeah no, they, my buddies, these, the Giliotes. that's their last yeah, name. Yeah, yeah.
0: I been to it, Calabria it, before, by the way, and I been to Chicago, but I usually don't go to the South Side. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, this is a specific <laughs> part of the South Side. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. want to call into these radio shows all the time. The Cubs stink, this and that. Mm-hmm. Is that just mm-hmm. in the blood? Like, is that what you were calling mm-hmm. for? Like, you didn't Well, believe? you
0: know, I, I called because... You know, I was so passionate about the Canadian. Sometimes I thought the coach would drop the ball and sometimes I thought I was smarter than the coach. Right. Which obviously <laughs> wasn't the case. So that's part of the reason why I did it. The other part of the reason why I did it was to tell you the truth, my buddies really started to like it. And every, you know, that's how I became popular. You know, um, you know, they they thought I was pretty good at it. A lot of people um, that went to high school with me actually thought, you know, you'll end up on the radio one day, but they thought I was going to be a play-by-play guy. But that's never what interested me, even though I had huge admiration for the late Danny Gallivan and and Dick Irvin. I loved what they did, but I really wanted to be like Ted Thievin. Like out of, out of everyone, I wanted to be like him. But I, I also did it, Tim, because I, I thought if somebody sees something in me here, who knows? Maybe they might call me in and it might lead to something. And, you know, Ted Teven telling me the guy I looked up to the most that he thought I had the goods to be in the business, even though a lot of people thought I didn't, like his opinion meant everything for me. Like it didn't matter what anyone else thought. If Ted Teven thought I could be on the air, then I could be on the air. But those were the reasons why I did it, you know?
1: So you do that for so many years now. um, And I I remember Tony Marinero when I first came to the city to meet Wayne Views and Mitch Melnick. um, It was funny. Uh, I was listening to radio when I come to town, I listen to sports. If I can't watch a game or whatever. And I heard you and I mean, who is this guy? I am trying to picture you, your face, your just, I had your voice on there. What's he look like? So, I finally get my interview there with Melnick and Wayne Bues, And Wayne Bues left the interview with Mitch. I went back home. He told Mitch, no way he's going to move back here. Well, I moved back. Yeah. Surprise. And I remember I came in the building to see him and Mitch. And we had a meeting. And that was the first time I saw you. And I didn't know it was you. Tony had a blue sweatsuit on an orange fanny pack, and orange sneakers. I still got <laughs> the same blue pants on. There they are. And I'm going, I think that's that guy Marinaro I'm saying in my head. But I don't say nothing. And I know he knew it was me. I, I, I don't know why I didn't say hello. But anyway, that was the first time I'd seen Tony. And then I come on board. Now, Tony, when I came on board, man, was I brutal or what? Like I I've never been so scared in my life having were, to go on the uh, that yeah. day, I, I was
0: I was horrendous. Yeah, you were raw knuckles, but we all oh. were. I got to tell you, um, I, I got to thank Wayne Buse for sticking with me, because the truth is I wasn't up to standard in the first year. I probably wasn't up to standard in the first Hello. two years or three years. It took me a while to get comfortable, and uh, it was kind of like, you know, The station Mm -hmm. was kind of like they were building something, right? So it's like what the Canadians are trying to do now. So when you you take a look at the Canadians now and they're rebuilding, they could have patience with some young players that normally they probably wouldn't have if they were like a legitimate cup contender. Having said that, you know, Tim, I came very close to losing my job. and, 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 um, And year one, I'm getting I'm getting crucified in the daily newspaper, in the Montreal Gazette. I'm getting Welcome destroyed. Welcome to the okay? club. <laughs> like this guy, right? and who does he think Welcome he is? Welcome to the club, Tony. Yeah, he doesn't even know how to speak English. And the fact of the matter is, <laughs> my English, you know, was not great. And it probably still isn't. Like, I speak and understand five languages, English, French, Italian, Spanish, Portuguese, but I, knew, I do neither of them very well. Uh, so... <laughs> You know, I was, I was getting crucified. I was trying to find my way. My ratings weren't very good. And by the way, I know exactly what I did wrong, all right? Uh, besides the fact that I was raw and I was nervous and I wasn't very polished. The one thing I was doing wrong is I was trying to be somebody I wasn't. And the person that I used to be that used to call the radio show as a teenager, I was trying to be this professional guy. Like I was trying to sound like Pierre Maguire, so very polished, so very professional. Well, Pierre Maguire is polished and he is professional. Tony Marinaro, that's not him. Tony Marinaro is not polished. Tony Marinaro isn't always professional. Uh, Tony Marinaro sometimes doesn't have a filter. And will say something that he might regret, but he says it. And um, so about a year later, I get called into the office. And the general manager at the time was the late Lee Hamilton. So he calls me into the office with Wayne Buse. And he tells me that he's not happy with my progress. He's not happy with my results. Ooh. And he wants to get rid of me. Ooh, I and, didn't know this. <laughs> yeah. And so Wayne Buse uh, says, listen why don't we do this? All right. We'll give you a month. And, uh, or he talks Lee Hamilton into giving me a month. Let's give him a month. Now that he knows what we don't like now that he knows what's not going well, let's see how he responds. Let's see if he can turn it around. Unfortunately, I didn't respond very well because the pressure I felt instead of bringing out the best in me, It actually, it made me even more nervous. Yeah. So one month later, (laughs) Nux, I go into the office and today's doomsday, right? I'm getting fired. So Wayne calls me into his office and he says to me, he says, you know, um, we're supposed to meet with Lee Hamilton. But he got fired. (laughs) I know. And he says, uh, and he says, listen, Tony, he was going to fire you today. He says, but he died four hours ago.
1: Oh, Jesus.
0: (laughs) I said, are you kidding me or what? And, uh, and he said, no, he said he had terminal cancer and I didn't even know. He says, I got a phone call from his wife this morning telling me that he passed away and I had no idea that he had terminal cancer. So Wayne said, "Uh, listen, crazy. um, I'm going to hold on to you. I have a feeling you're going to be a star one day now. So just go out there and prove me right. Go out there and be you. And it was a turning point for me. And I tried to be more myself. And with more shows and more hours behind the microphone nux, I got more and more comfortable. And, um, you know, I did the afternoon drive for two and a half years. Then I did the morning show for two and a half years. And then one day Wayne um, says, I want to take you out to lunch. And he takes me out to lunch. And Elliot Price and Sean Starr back then were doing the show at 10 a.m. And I know they really wanted to do the show at 6 a.m. that I was doing so that they can, you know, Elliot was an avid golfer yeah, at golf the time. And yeah, he wanted, I, the golf. I mean, he uh, he whispered in Wayne Buse's ear on a couple of occasions, hey, if you're ever thinking of making a change with that six o'clock show, you know, I'd love to have that slot. And to be honest with you, I mean, even though it's a, it's a prestigious slot to have, morning radio, f- you know, your personal life sucks. You got to go to bed early. I woke up early every morning. I felt like a zombie. I'm not a morning person. So anyway, Wayne took me to lunch mm-hmm. and he goes, uh, I'm, we're going to change slots and you're going to do your own show now, uh, at 10 AM and, uh, price and star are going to go in the morning. And I was like, wow, like, is this good for my career? Like I'm going from morning man. And Wayne said, Trust me when I tell you this, this is going to be the best thing that could happen for your career. First of all, it'll be the best thing that can happen to your personal life because you're going to be able to sleep now. Um, (laughs) Secondly, secondly, he said um, the 10 a.m. slot is so tough to get ratings because obviously out of all the slots, it's the one that has the least cars on the road. So, but if there's someone that can make something out of nothing, He goes, it's you. And I really believe that in this slot at 10 a.m., your personality can come out a lot more than it can co-hosting at 6 a.m. So he said, um, so I said, okay. And as it turns out, I did that show for about 15 years. And it was, he was right. It's the greatest thing that could happen to me. Why? If I didn't have a good book, I wasn't expected to have a good book. Uh, You know, uh, It's, it's, uh, it's a tough slot for ratings. If I had a very good book, wow! If I ended up finishing number one in ratings, wow, wow, wow! So it was, it was a win-win situation. My personal life was better. Uh, I was able to be more myself on that show. I was pretty much doing it myself between ten and noon. I mean, I had an op, but you know, I took up a lot of the airtime. Uh, I got my own guests. I did my own thing, and it was—it really was the best thing that could have happened to me at the time. Yeah,
1: and you know, Tim, like, like it's tough. Like Tony just saying that, doing it by yourself like that. I, I think, oh, when I came in, I had Sean Campbell, but I was so worried. Like when you set up a show, you structure that show. You got segments. You gotta, you gotta get out of one and hook the other yeah. one. And I, I wasn't really good at that. <clears throat> Campbell was awesome at it. But I tried to do all that stuff at the beginning. I was so freaking bad. So yeah. I can only imagine what you were going through by yourself. Yeah. At least I had someone to lean on and Campbell. Campbell eventually bailed me out and certainly made the show a whole lot better. But I just, anyway. Uh, so do, so you, guys, both, you, do you guys there.
2: both feel like podcasting, there's a difference, a little bit difference in podcasting? Oh, huge. You'd probably yeah. like it better, right?
0: Well, um, th- there's things I miss about radio. To come on here and say that I don't miss where I worked, I'd be lying. Um, to come on here and say that I don't miss the show that I did, I would be lying. But the thing that I miss the most is the connection I had with the listeners. My listeners, it was kind of like... um. Very, very loyal following, guys. Like some would say, it was probably almost like a cult following, right? And uh, when I worked my last show, he did. He had a huge cult following. You know, I didn't have a chance. I didn't have a chance to say goodbye. And as it turns out, guys, in all transparency, my professional life right now is the best it's ever been. I've opened myself to a brand new audience on French radio. I've opened myself to a brand new audience on French television. Uh, I do the radio hit from home. I don't have to go out. I don't have to drive. I don't have to be in traffic. I don't have to put gas money. I do the podcast from home. I do it on my own time. I have a lot more free time. I'm getting out now. I'm meeting a lot of people. I'm having a lot of business meetings. Um, You know, I'm generating pretty good business for what I'm trying to do. Um, It's never been better, but I I have a pain in my heart which I don't think is ever going to go away. And that is I never really had a chance to say goodbye to my listeners. And, and I, I, I did via my podcast, but I didn't on the air and the radio. And that hurts yeah. me a lot.
1: Yeah, that's a tough one. I, de- I didn't either. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get it a bit, but don't be so fucking dramatic, please. Yeah.
2: No. Uh, but no. Um, you know. I No. It's, it's, I know, it's, Tony. It's, I know. You're not allowed to have feelings on the that's, Rock that's
0: that's podcast. A, <laughs> that, that's the only. <laughs> that's the only thing. If I could say goodbye now, there's some days I think about it and I say, you know what? It's probably better <laughs> like that because I probably would have cried the entire. Oh way yeah, through, you would have right? been all
1: choked up. You and, know yeah. so so in tone. Everything us, happens for a reason, though, I it, guess, right? It does. Well, look at your life now. And again, I th- I'm sure those people understand. And, yeah. and, and both of us were in different circumstances when we left there. And, and you know, Tony, we talked so many times. We did the Habs lunch together. We yeah. And I had a blast with you. You're one of my favorite people in there to work with. Thank but you. You were. And, and like Campbell and I work together every day. He was great with me, Campbell, and yeah. I loved him. He yeah. did, honest to God, because I, I was never good at all the semantic, all the little, you know, the ins and mo- outs, and my mother still what's calling me, look, up. <laughs> look, she's, my mother's still calling me. Nuts. That's good. That's good, and she's only right yeah, upstairs. She's like, Are you moving out yet? Are you moving out yet? <laughs> no, he's still there. <laughs> um, uh, Go ahead, Nux. Go ahead. Yeah, um, you know, and we talk a lot, Tim. Me yeah. and Tony, and there were times like Tony would be upset about something, and he didn't get a whole lot of fucking backing in there, to be honest with you. And then, you know, my situation was totally different. I refused to get vaccinated for health reasons, man. And and they said they it's got nothing to do with Chris Nyland. It's got all to do with the getting the vaccination. So I'm okay. That's it. Then okay, that's it. You fire me. So now all the shit that's coming out. About the vaccine and what's going on, I guess it wasn't so much about the vaccine. It was more about Chris and Island because they haven't fucking called me back yet. You know, I did have, I did have COVID at the beginning, which you know, they, they've already been proven that it's as good or better than the fucking vaccine itself. So I've yet to get the phone call. Anyway, Tony was doing a a, a podcast, yeah, on the side and they reached out to you, right? Told you they didn't want you to do it anymore. Just tell us a story because really, it was so unfair because there were other people connected with that station doing podcasts outside of their radio work.
0: Yeah. And they were allowed
1: to do it, but they didn't want him to do it. So
0: Mm -hmm. look, you know, I wasn't looking for extra work, but I was looking for extra work. Like, look, look, full disclosure here, guys. I didn't make a lot of money in the first 10 or 12 years yeah, working you know on the it. radio, okay? First of all, the first 10 years, I worked every single Habs post-game show besides my show, every one. When I hit 10 years, Wayne Buse said to me, he says, hey, 10 years, seniority, what do you want? I said, I don't want to work weekends anymore. He says, okay, you got it. And, you know, you know, I made like, Minimum wage or just over for probably about 10 11, 12 years up until about six or seven years ago i was I was working the haps post game show, and you know when you take a look at leaving my house at six o'clock and coming back and watch the game at seven seven thirty to like seven to nine thirty and then do the post game show until midnight and come back at twelve thirty I mean I was probably being paid minimum wage for that too, but you know, here's the problem. The problem is everyone knows I loved my job so much that I do it for free. Mm. And uh, and the other problem was is that there was only one English all-sports radio station in the city.
1: No competition. So I,
0: I had nowhere to go, right? So yeah. it's, uh, hey, this is what you're paid. And so... You know, over the years, though, you know, in the last, you know, four or five years, I mean, I was I was making money. There's no complaints there. But for the first 10, 11, 12, 13 years, I mean, I, I was not making all You put your time much.
1: in. You paid your dues.
0: Yeah. And um, uh, I wasn't looking for extra work, but I guess you're always looking for extra work. Right. I mean, we don't you know, hockey teams have a salary cap, but we don't want to cap the amount of money that we can make. But, um, you know, 10 years ago my buddy says, I want you to meet a family. And, uh, he says, um, my buddy on yellow, he says, I grew up playing soccer with him. He says, anyway, he and his wife, Rosa, they have a son and a daughter. Their son, Sammy was diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy at nine months old. He was told he was going to die by the age of two and they have a fundraiser every year. And he says, I, I love, you know, if you can help them out, give them a hand, bring exposure to the cause, uh, volunteer your time, volunteer your services. And I said, sure Mike and uh, you know any friend of yours is a friend of mine and I'd love to help so anyway I met the family I fell in love with them I met Sammy Sammy's a huge sports fan he particularly loves football and hockey loves the Flyers loves the Tennessee Titans and um, you know Sammy opened up a social media company probably about 10 years ago he he had a, a lot of success with it his first account was called Sick Highlights he was probably the first one uh, his company's called Sick Media, and his first Instagram account was called Sick Highlights. He's probably the first one to take a look at, um, f- you know, get the highlight of the night in sports, attach a bed of music to it, upload it, and that account has 1.9 million followers. And then he opened up, you know, a Sick Footballs for soccer, Sick Power Play for hockey, and uh, Sick Apparel and Sick Media. And so, uh, Sammy approached me. Uh, his father called me about two and a half years ago. And he said, uh, come over to house. Sammy wants to talk to you. So I went over. They brought me downstairs and they built the podcast studio. And he says, uh, Sammy built this podcast studio. And this is his new baby. He wants to do the sick podcast and he wants you to be the host. Guys. How do you say no to Sammy?
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, how do I say no to Sammy that, you know, he, he can't move his legs. Uh, he, he's confined to a wheelchair um, you know he, he can't move himself in bed uh, his parents have to wake up every hour if he's cramping and and move him from one side to another he can't feed himself there's many foods that he can't eat it has to be crushed or or really cut fine or pureed or whatever I mean you know he's he's got to sleep with an oxygen mask I mean you name it I mean he uh. can't he has a hard time traveling I mean the you know, the, the family can't even travel anywhere by plane any anymore because, you know, every time they travel, the wheelchair ends up getting broken in transport. How do I say no to Sammy guys? So I said, Sammy, I'd love to do it. Uh, you know, but I need to to get clearance. And uh, you know, it, it I had to ask a couple of times to get clearance, but finally I did. And uh, you know, there were there were some conditions that uh, you know, don't talk about your podcast on the air. And, um, you know, don't play any of the interviews that you're having. And I, I, I was willing, I was open to cross promoting or, or whatever, you know, uh, take some clips from my radio show, put them on the podcast, give that the advertising cross promoting. Um, uh, but unfortunately that didn't happen. And, um, you know, I look at it today, guys, who doesn't podcast today? Last week I was watching Kelly Rippa with, uh, with, um, Oh, I should know. is why, why am I uh, with Ryan um,
2: Seacrest? With Sechrist. Ryan
0: Seacrest, okay? Uh, who's actually going to be moving on and she's going to be doing the show with her husband now going forward. And I was watching Kelly Ripa with Ryan Seacrest. She talked about her podcast that she started up. She talked about an interview that she had on the podcast and she took what came out of that interview and it was part of a segment in the television show. I mean, uh, Pat McAfee does a podcast. Colin Cowherd does a podcast. I mean, anyone who's anyone nowadays not only does a radio show, they do a podcast. They not only do a TV show, they do a podcast. So anyway, well, I started that up. We were going like once a week. We are just doing it to have fun. Really, we were. And, um, you know, I'd go over to Sammy's house and do the podcast. And after it was done, we'd go upstairs. We'd have a plate of pasta. And it was the greatest thing in his life. Fast forward, I don't know how many months, but a couple of months later, I'm on the air, and <laughs> I get word via social media within a span of about, what was it, an hour, an hour and a half, two hours max, Yeah. that the all-sports radio station in Vancouver closed, the all-sports radio station in Winnipeg closed, and the all-sports radio station in Hamilton closed, so these... These people went to work that day. All TSN,
1: by the way, Tim, who we're working for.
0: There used to be seven radio stations. There's now four because three of them closed down. And these people went to work. And when they went to commercial break, a commercial played, letting everyone know that they were going to change format in a couple of days. And the bosses came in and said, you're out of a job and uh, you got to get out of the building, get your stuff and get out. So... While I was on the air, I was on the air while I'm reading this live on Twitter. Uh, I'm I'm seeing this, and now I'm nervous, guys. I'm thinking, you know what? We're going to close down. I'm going to lose my job. And it dawned on me, I have no plan B. I got no other job. I got nothing. And there's nothing else I know how to do. Very unfortunately, I didn't go to university. I didn't get in. I wasn't a very good student. I wasn't passionate about school. I didn't apply myself. So, I got no education. I got no trade. The only trade I have is working on the radio. And if we close down and there was only one English all sports radio station and now there's going to be none, what do I do next, guys? So, the show's over. I pick up the phone. I give Aniello a call and I said, I want to come over. So, I go over and I explain to them that I had a really terrible day because the station in Vancouver, Winnipeg and Hamilton closed down. And guys, I thought it was going to be Montreal. And if it was, what was I going to do? So they said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I'd like to make this podcast maybe a little bit more frequent and a little bit better so that if something should happen, maybe, you know what, we'll be generating revenue by then and I'll have something to fall back on. So we agreed to do that. And recording once a week became recording twice a week and recording twice became recording three times.
1: And you get going, yeah. But so so fast forward us to all right. You get the podcast going. What happens? How come? How come you end up leaving TSN?
0: So, um, you know they say don't burn your bridges, but um, I'm going to try and I'm going to try and make a long story short. I wanted to grow the podcast. What? that they shit on you? <laughs> I want it. I want it to grow the podcast. Everybody knows that.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and I want it to grow it for Sammy. I want it to grow it for the brand and I want it to grow it for me. And I want it to grow it for my brand. Um, I want it to have a plan B, like I said, just in case something happened. So long story short, if I can't talk about the podcast now, even mention it on my show, if I can't play an interview on my show, if I have to be nervous about which guest I'm going to get on my podcast instead of my show, if I have to be nervous about, you know, my podcast making noise, if I'm going to have restrictions on it, Tony Marinero doesn't do things halfway or half ass, because if I do, I'm going to get half the results and I'm not interested in getting half the results. I want to be the best version of myself. Uh, and, and, that's just the way I'm wired. And I think, I guess everyone should be. Um, And so I, I couldn't keep doing it with restrictions and um, they were going to be having their own shows podcasted. And um, I think they, um, they thought it would be challenging if I was going to be trying to promote the podcast at the station, which would be my show and my own, but guys, I was doing it wonderfully. I was doing it for a couple of years. uh I was getting great results on both and uh it's not like you know we were getting less listeners at the station because I was doing a podcast. On the contrary, I think for my show anyway, I think some people saw me via social media that probably hadn't heard about me before or maybe saw me and liked me started listening. so I thought it was going really, really well and um you know. And so
1: um I decided to um to walk away. Yeah, and you did walk away and it things have just gone great for you. I mean you worked I, your butt off, but you know, look I, I told you Nux, I told you at Chris at at Gila funeral. funeral.
0: Yeah. You and I we we, we 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 left the service and we walked back to the bell center where our our, our, our trucks were parked yeah and and we had an, a nice walk and we had a nice talk and i said to you i said nux i i think i think this is going to be it for me at the station and i'm not so sure you believe me and you said what and i said well uh you know the fact that i'm doing the podcast uh, seems to be um a concern uh for some and um And um, look, (sighs) when you work there and they're the only English all sports radio station, you don't have any leverage to go anywhere else. You don't. And then I think I had a certain leverage, and um, I I think it probably worried some people. And um, so. I was told that if I was going to continue doing the podcast and trying to promote my podcast, trying to promote the show, they didn't think they didn't see how both of them could work. And like I said, it was working. And um, I, I, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to leave the radio station and she was floored because she knew how much i love yeah, that job yeah, like yeah, i love sure. that job like you have no idea how much actually you do you would have an idea and and um and um you know my wife said you know you've been there 20 years you got a pension plan you got security you got this you got that and uh and i said to her i said um yeah but you know like i'm not going to start this podcast 2 years ago and and then just stop it and then you know, I'm not going to do that to Sammy. I'm not going to do that to myself. Um, I just I don't see any reason why I should stop it. So uh, I thought everything was going great, and um, so we had that conversation with my wife. And a couple of days later, I um I get um I get a message from um, 91.9 FM radio the french all sports radio station in the city and they asked me to give them a call and uh now did they hear something
1: going on or did no, you reach Nux. out to them or they, they just yeah this happens to be too good a timing
0: yeah it is but they had been calling me for five years Nux. oh okay i met yeah. with them i had yeah. interviewed with them um, and you just never pulled the trigger right? i had talked okay. to them a couple of times <clears throat> and i just i didn't have it in my heart uh, to leave the listeners uh to leave that family to leave that following i had yeah, yeah. i just and when it happened this time and they came back to me and um yeah i think they they saw that you know what i was doing a podcast and maybe he's going in a different direction but they had reached out several several times in the last five years when they reached out this time I said, you know what? Is is this a message? Is this maybe maybe it's a sign. It's, it's it's a message from God telling me that I got to place this call. I got to see what's up. And they contacted me and they said, "Hey, is there a chance that we can add Tony Marinero?" And I said, "Look, I'm trying to grow my podcast, and if there's going to be any obstacles or any restrictions, there's no chance." And they basically said, "Well, I mean, what do we care? that You're doing a podcast. We just want you to join our team." And I said, "Wow, isn't that nice?" Um, so I said, "Hey,
1: so you can, accept? You we, accept. No, no, I, not no I, I
0: said, no I said, we can talk. We well, sure we can talk." So um, I go to a fundraiser a couple of weeks later and um, and uh, you know I see one of the people working there and he said, "Hey uh, I heard they gave you a call and I said, "Well yeah, off the record between you and I they did." And uh, he said, All right, uh we'll be in touch. We'll talk this week. So um this gentleman was was the guy that I, I work with now. I, I do his show in the uh on French radio in the morning and I join him on French television. And uh, he gave me a call and he said, uh, yeah, you know, I'd love for you to, you know, you know, to, to be a collaborator on my show. And you know, Nux, if I wanted to do a rate because a lot of people ask me to do a radio show. If I wanted to do a radio show there, I could. Yeah. Um, but what I really wanted, more so than anything else, was some time to grow my podcast. And you know, if you do a radio show, you have less time than actually being a collaborator. Yeah. yeah. So long story <clears throat> short, uh, Jean-Charles Lajoie, who hosts the morning show, also hosts a show on television. And uh, you know, he he wanted to have me on his radio show and on his and his TV show. And um, um I said, hey, you know what? Uh, Have your bosses give my agent a call. And and they gave my agent a call and they were talking. And the one thing, you know, uh, was I knew that they were starting up new programming on August 29th. And if they were going to start new programming up on August 29th, well, because of my, you know, contract obligations you know it was it was probably best that i leave for a certain date and so when i woke up on that date and here's this though because a lot of people don't know this i had nothing signed with french radio i had nothing signed with french television we had talks they were good but that morning i just i decided that this was it and um so i went in i did my show and at the end of my show i went in and i handed my resignation in and
1: um what was that like like you go in there you you, it was chris berry i guess you went to see your boss um you hand him did you you hand him a uh, regna did you go in and speak to him what what, how'd it go yeah so um
0: the show was on between 10 and noon i was supposed to stay on until one o'clock in the afternoon and um you know when my show was up and uh, i went out with frank sinatra's my way um i got Nux, you know, once again, I'm a very, very sensitive guy, uh, way too much, very unfortunately. Uh, and uh, it just, it, it got to me. So I went into his office and I said, no easy way to say this. I'm handing in my resignation. And And uh, I broke down most of the time and uh, and I cried most of the time.
1: And uh, I cried for weeks after that. So what did uh, he say when you said, I'm giving it, what did he say? He must have had a comeback. Yeah. Um, you know they want to keep you did they say uh, okay you can do your podcast and keep your show we'll give you a raise
0: uh
1: come on fuck! come on Yeah, I, you what, know, what
0: are we fucking babies here let's go put it put it put it come this on. way put it this way uh everything that was challenging up until that point wasn't a challenge anymore but for okay. me my decision was made at that point
1: well that's good so you walked away um i end up out of there you end up out of there and the station goes on without us that's fine they'll live without us no problem yeah no um, they will
0: they 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 will I, live without us for sure um yeah.
1: but once again look I, I
0: don't uh you don't what you know if i had if i had my way you know uh i would have i would have continued to do both um but yeah, by the way but they... in the but in but in the end, but in the end, the way things turned out, it's the greatest thing that could have happened to my podcast. So now, if you want to listen to Tony Marinero in English, the only place you can find them is this podcast. Yeah. And so I'm I'm you know I'm living in a province that has eight million people, one million speak English, and seven million speak French. And so now I'm going to work on French sports radio as a collaborator, and you know. I thought everyone knew me clearly. They didn't. Um, there's a bunch of people who didn't know me. And, and so now i got the best of both worlds because I got exposure on radio. I got exposure on television. I know, you know, the, I've been, I've been, I've been asked to go out and do, uh, uh, emceeing events, speaking engagements. Uh, I've opened myself up to a, a, a business community that I, I, I didn't know existed on the other side. Um, you know, like I, I I'm just, uh, yeah. It's, uh, listen, the biggest I'm flying, thing, like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm flying.
1: So listen, there's good. a lot of fear in making decisions and the unknown, what's going to happen. I had yeah. my, de- I made my decision knowing I was going to get fired. Okay. knowing I was getting fired. And of course you're full. I, I, I had fear. There's no question about it. I'm 65 years old. What am I going to start over? I had to start over. I had no choice. And I, I mean, I had a choice, but I had no choice because what I was not willing to do for them, um, it just didn't line up. And, yeah, I hear you yeah. know, it, it's pretty scary when, okay, how am I going to get a paycheck? How am I, how things going to work here? And you know what? Um, things have fallen into place for me and, yeah, good. Uh, you know, Tim and I are doing this together. We're having a blast. Um, when, you know, uh, I got some other things going on and ambassador with the Habs. I'm, you know, I'm not going to be a millionaire from that. No question yeah. about it, but it, it just, the honor of being asked to do that for sure uh, is awesome. And, you know, you just, you, you find a way and that's yeah. life, you know, um, it'd be nice to have the security, of all this and, you know, the paycheck every week. And, it, you know, there's a lot of unknowns when, when I ended up, making that decision. It's it's not easy. And I'm sure it wasn't easy for you either. Yeah, no, it, 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 listen,
0: it wasn't, but the one thing I can say, and, 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 um, really I say this with all humility, um, I don't have a problem with, you know, confidence in myself. So like, you know, my wife was worried and I told her, don't be worried. Like, just trust me. Like, you know, you know, I'll, I'll make a name for myself. And, um, and so, um, Hours after I resigned, hours after I resigned, I uh, I agreed verbally um, uh, to joining ninety one point nine. They reached out to me, and I verbally agreed. I mean, there was talk that I had signed the contract with ninety one point nine. I had signed the contract with TV Sports. To be honest, like I I think I signed the contract probably like I don't know. Um, uh, maybe three months later after I left, like I I hadn't, you know, I, I, I agreed verbally to one and then I agreed verbally to the other, but you know, I moved on to take my podcast to another level. And uh, I know some said that uh, I I moved on, um, you know, uh, to uh, to make more money working on the French side and work less hours, which is probably not false either, but they, you know, you, you know, it, that's not why I moved on no, I moved I on to take my podcast fine. I moved on to take my podcast to another level to be able to do it where I didn't have to worry about you know anything
1: and I didn't have to you All know. right so here we are podcast so here we are yeah um, let's talk a little bit about the Habs what's going on with the Habs yeah. what, what, what are you liking about the 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 new management team Gorton and Hughes uh, what they've done um, and and, and yeah. what's it look like here coming up so
0: truth be told, um, I had a very good relationship with Mark Bergevin and I know you did as well, Nux. Yeah. And I like Mark Bergevin. You got all the
1: scoops from Bergie. That's where you got all your scoops. Nah, I, <laughs> I don't get oh, scoops. You had through. you had someone in that building, don't you? I, I don't get scoops from anybody. Tony uh, Scoops. And, um, yeah. Tony Scoops. <laughs> you know,
0: I you know what Tony Scoops. I, <laughs> I, I liked them. Uh I you know, um I liked them. I, I thought um, you know, um I, I felt like he would um, he wouldn't always tell me the truth if I asked him something, but I felt like he never lied to me and uh, whether he did or he did, like, that's just the feeling I got. Yeah. So I was, you know, I, I and, and I, and I that. I like that. And by the way, I think I Kent Hughes comes across as the same kind of guy that he can't tell you every truth, but I don't think he'll lie to you either. Um, but I, You know, I thought Marc Bergevin had a real good eye for talent. Um, And he did a real good job in that final year, that team that went to the cup. I mean, he put a lot of eggs in one basket. Unfortunately, it wasn't sustainable. But, you know, for that one year, for that one run, he was able to put together a team that went for the cup. But this is a totally different management team. I mean, Marc Bergevin's biggest weakness, and we talked about this on your show, and I know Serge Savard, brought it up on several occasions. And I agree with Serge was managing people. Yeah. He wasn't when, good at it. when the no, negotiations went to his liking, it was great when they didn't, it seemed like it became personal instead of continuing to be business. Yeah. And, um, and uh, with Gordon and Hughes, I think it's, I, I think it's a lot different. I think they are a lot better at managing people. Uh, we'll we'll wait and see what their scouting department does in terms of draft choices. Because if there's a concern that I have, um, I, I'm not convinced that uh, Gordon's track record with the Rangers and Nick Bobrov's track record with the Rangers was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that one year that Gordon oversaw the draft in Boston, it was excellent. Incredible. Um, so, but I have a lot of confidence in this management team. If Mark Bergevin. Lasted nine and a half years working for the Canadians and working for Jeff Molson. I think it's safe to say that if Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon want to stick around for as long as that or more, I think they can and they have a plan. I don't think they're going to get ever very emotional about it. I don't think they're ever going to deviate and I could be wrong. And maybe one day we're going to watch this podcast and I'm going to sound like an idiot. Um, I really believe they're going to deliver a Stanley Cup to Montreal. I really believe that. I don't, don't know. When. I do, too.
1: I, 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 I believe I've, that. Yeah, I really got that feeling, too. I hope they do for the fans. There's no question the fans deserve it here. Uh, they've suffered for long enough. But then people will say they got enough Stanley Cups to last them a <laughs> lifetime. Uh, so Hey, Nuts, uh, isn't it crazy the Canadians
0: went to Boston to get their VP of Hockey Ops and to get their general manager?
1: And Boston went to Montreal to get their coach. Right? Right. Jim yeah, Montgomery yeah. Right, Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. Point. You get you get a guy from Boston to straighten the Habs out. I love it. Um <laughs> You know, it, and you wouldn't do that. You'd never heard of that years ago. It wouldn't even come close to that. And now yeah. the way things are. Um, and again, I think they're going to do well. Who, who do you think's um, packing up and shipping out here come trade deadline on Friday? Uh, Edmondson. I think Edmondson e- will get even traded. Even with the injury someone's going to take him right? Yeah even with the injury.
0: They, he was. By the way he was the first one on the ice yesterday and he was wearing a regular contact jersey Ooh. optics is everything <laughs> right? You know <laughs> yeah. don't be the tenth one on the ice. We're going to mm-hmm. put you first so we can show everybody. Yeah. But I think Edmondson will be traded and call me crazy because a lot of people don't think it'll happen but I think Jonathan Drewin will be traded too. And I know that, you know, a lot of people don't think it'll happen because they don't think another team would want Jonathan. But, you know, you never have too much
1: depth in the playoffs. And um there's always uh, somebody out there that can uh, do a reclamation project. Okay. Yes. Right. They all think yeah. they can turn this guy around or yeah. get something out of him. And who knows? Put in in the right situation with the right team, he might flourish, but... um it doesn't look good, you know, so. How
2: do you feel about this Girianov they just got?
1: I feel like they got
0: nothing to lose, right? I mean, what do they have to lose? And once again, it's, it's another project like Knuckles talked about. But when you're a rebuilding team, you have the luxury of time. So if it works, it works. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. At the end of the day, they traded Shea Weber for Dadonov and now traded Dadonov for Giryanov. So you traded Weber's contract. For Giryanov, he's mid twenties. He's in the prime of his career. He's three years removed from a twenty goal season and like eight or nine goals in the playoffs or whatever it was. You put him in Marty St. Louis' hands. I love what St. Louis said. By the way, he said, uh, "You know, uh, uh, I- I'm not going to meet with him. I'm not going to talk with him right now, and I'm not going to uh, tell him everything I that, that, that I've heard or I've <laughs> seen from other. I'm going to give the. I'm going to give him three four weeks." to show me what he can do and then I'll sit down with him because everyone else has labeled him doesn't mean I have to label him I I don't care what happened in the past it's a fresh start and yep. not everyone not everyone handles things that way not no. everyone handles things that way you know so he's,
1: he's certainly different he got a different tack with players the way he deals with them the way he assesses them the way he treats them on the bench um you know it, it, it it's refreshing, right? Because we see in this league, you see so many goddamn retreads, Tony. Yeah, you know that. that how many new faces? You know, every maybe every couple of years you see a new face. So, yeah, but boy, it's always the same old, same old. But
0: uh, you know, I, I like the future of this team. Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, Kirby Doc, Slavkowski. Who? Yeah, you know, he had the type of season that most. 18-year-olds 18 18 olds have who aren't <laughs> yeah. franchise players um, yeah. or generational players. And uh, a lot of the young kids on the fence and Jordan Harris and Barron's really coming along. Jack, guy, how can you not love him? Caden uh, Gouley is an absolute stud. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, it's, I, 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 I like the future of this team. And um, I just wish they would lose more games between now and the end. <laughs> yeah.
1: Because uh, we know what g- you
0: want, give themselves. I doesn't everyone like really like? Wouldn't everyone want Connor Bedard? Connor McDavid already has fifty goals, all yeah. right. Connor McDavid's producing at at, at at a level which is pretty crazy. If you think of the parity in the National Hockey League nowadays and all the good young players in the league, this guy is being compared to Connor McDavid, and I know that he still has a long ways to go. But I mean, I'm going to bet on him. I'm going to bet on Connor. I'm going to bet on Connor Bedard doing what he's done in the WHL, doing what he did at the world juniors, already scored more goals at the world juniors than any Canadian player ever. And he's still eligible for two more years of world juniors, more points than any Canadian player ever still eligible for two more years. I mean, yeah, you know, people are gonna say, yeah, but the orders, small you know, winger, small winger, yeah. yeah, yeah. But next, people are gonna say, yeah, but the orders haven't won a cup with McDavid, not yet. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But Tim, even if they don't win the cup with Connor McDavid, it's not a bad thing to be a fan of the Edmonton Orders and go to the rink and watch Connor McDavid and Leon <laughs> Draisaitl do their thing for twelve years. There's worse
1: things in life. <clears throat> yeah, it's incredible. You know? uh, certainly. What he's done? And- Take a,
0: Nux, how many superstars have they had, you know, at the forward position, since Lafleur? You had Riche, who was a fifty goal scorer in the nineties. He did it twice in a three year span. You know, Bobby Smith and Matt Snazlin were very good players back in the eighties. There's no doubt about it. You know, Kovalev was 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 exciting for sure. Very inconsistent, but when he was on, he was on. But you know they haven't had too many forwards that you can get excited about. And now Kolkoff hey, looks hey, like he's hey, probably over Hey, hey, wait! You're missing 15. one. You, yeah, no. Knox, twenty. Greg Gilcrest,
2: Brett yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was exciting. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> that Nux, day in Nux, practice, Knox <laughs> <Nux, laughs> <Nux, Nux, laughs> got me in trouble once, Tim. I was, um, you know, if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan, you loved their best players. And you love the guy who stood up for their best players. Everybody loved Knuckles, all right? And I had a LeFleur jersey, and I had a Nylon jersey, right? And by the way, like so did everybody else in the city. And um, I remember one day in high school playing Cosm hockey, and uh, we're in the semifinals, my team is, and we lose. And I really wanted to go to the finals and all that stuff. And I'm a sore loser, bad, right? And I'm no tough guy by any means, trust me. I, I mean, I, you know, if I have to defend myself, I'll defend myself, but I don't go looking for fights or anything. But uh, I'm wearing my Chris Nyland jersey. And someone teases me that they beat my team. And so I threw my stick at them. And my stick hit somebody who approached me and wanted to fight me right then and there in the gymnasium. So I didn't want to fight, I didn't want to fight, I didn't want to fight, but I'm steaming now because we lost. And I walk out and he follows me into the core into the hallway where the lockers are. And he follows me and now everyone's following like fight, 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 fight. Everyone's chanting fight, fight, fight. So he takes his 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 hands and he puts them up like that, right? So I I grab him here where knuckles used to grab <laughs> right over here, right? I grab here and then I get in a shot and then I take my left hand and I take his, his Jersey and put it over his head and I'm throwing punches and right away it gets stopped onto the principal's office. So I go in the principal's office and the principal's there. And he says to me, he says, uh, you're a troublemaker and this and that. And I said to him, I said, I said, uh, you know, Mr. McQuaid, I said, I, no, I'm, I'm not this type of kid. I never get into fights and this and that. I, you know, I, I'm not a troublemaker. He says, you're wearing a Chris Nyland jersey and you're in my office and you're trying to tell me you're not a troublemaker and you're trying to tell me that you weren't looking for a fight. And I said, no, 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 really, really, really. I, I just, I love his personality and that's why, you know, I got his jersey. But I mean, I, I, you know, and, um, you know, I was, I was scared to death that he was going to suspend me because my father was very strict. And if I was going to get suspended from school, uh, I was going to be in trouble. Wow. And, did you uh, ever so, think
2: then that you were going to be doing <laughs> radio one day with with Nox? so
0: <laughs> to, to work radio with, uh, with, uh, with Chris was to work. Radio was a thrill. And I told you before, like, I really loved what I did. And, and, you know, like, um, you know, I, I know we talked about before and the way it ended, but I, I like, I, I loved it so much. To think I was doing it with Chris for an hour a day for many, many, many years—it's—it's kind of like a dream come true, really. And uh, it, you know, and, and you know, Chris and I—if—if if you count the amount of years that we did radio together, Chris, I don't know, for right. six, seven, eight years, because you time flies Almost when you're fun. Almost ten years. Almost ten years. Almost ten years. I would say, uh, Tim and Chris can tell you. On one hand, we probably had an issue with something. One and, time. Uh, yeah. No, maybe two when or I, three what times. What was the time? Well, I, I can only
1: remember one time. One for I you. Two, two, uh,
2: yeah, Tony's got three issues. So <laughs> yeah. Here's the one that <laughs> yeah.
1: I remember. Yeah. Like he grabbed my, my, like I had Surge on my show a lot. Yeah. And he, and I, I should have called him and said, listen, I'm going to have Surge today. But he went and called him on a thing that yeah. I was going to have surgery. It kind of pissed me off. But anyway.
0: Yeah. And and, and Nux <clears> told me about it, that he was upset that I had reached out. And up. um, and I understood it. And it was over. Right. There was another time.
1: I drop it. What's <laughs> the other one? I didn't have a fucking problem with it. I, ju- I can drop shit like that. I don't hang on to it. I called him by his family name in oh, yeah, studio. N- <laughs> hey, Nyland.
0: And, and, and you know what? Nowadays, I think about it, and it it was wrong. But it's just, and I know that uh, I couldn't explain it. to Chris, Chris was livid. Okay, I, I, I was. Oh my god, this guy's going to kill me. But, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but he never laid a hand on me as a gentleman. But when I grew up, right, and loving Chris, we used to always be in the stands, and we used to chant "Nylon, Nylon, <laughs> Nylon," and my dad. When he asked me about how Chris is doing, he refers to him as Nyland and he doesn't do it in a bad way. It's yeah, just yeah. that you always knew hockey players by their family name. Yeah. But it's funny because um, Phil Boucher, who's a, uh, who's a former professional hockey player, Nux, he won the Stanley Cup with the, yeah. with the Penguins. Someone referred to him by his last name last week on air and he didn't like it. Yeah. And and he said, you know, like I have a first name and I want to be addressed by my first name. And now when you think about it, I totally understand it. But back then I just, I, 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 I and I think what happened was, I think I, I said it. I think I said Nylon. and I think he said, Hey, call me Chris or call me Knuckles. And like <laughs> a, a minute later, I think I called him Nyland again. <laughs> oh my God. He looked at me. <laughs> And I said, oh, my God, what did I just do? Like, it just it just came out, and I'm like, oh, my God.
1: I am a stickler about that, but I know, like, I was a kid. Yeah, Esposito scored, McKenzie, I, I, the same thing. But in any other setting, I never call someone by their last name. Like Mitch Gallo, I never call him Gallo. Or Melnick, hey, Melnick. I always said Mitch, Mitch. Or Campbell, hey, Sean. I, you know how people, hey, Campbell. Yeah. Uh, Or Salikas, I I always use a first name. I just, I don't know. Anyway, I went. I went to lunch with Simon last week. By the way, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, I like Simon a lot. I love Simon. I like. I
0: like Simon. One one of my favorite
1: people in the world, Simon Salikas. Yeah,
0: I like Simon a lot. uh, And uh, and um, and that was it. But listen, we worked together for nine years. And we just talked about we had one, maybe two issues, yeah, nine big, years.
1: Yeah.
0: we you know, we had a lot of respect for each other. I think we we had something really, really good together. I think a lot of people will agree. I, I'm never going to forget about it. You know, like even though once again, I, like I said, I would have loved to have said goodbye. I'm very grateful uh, because I got an opportunity to do radio in my city with no experience to begin with. Now, later on, later on, after a couple of years, I decided to take a radio and television course and I got myself a certificate. But who has the luxury and the privilege of being able to do radio in their city in good time slots, 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. to 7 p.m., pretty good slot. 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., pretty good slot. 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., pretty good slot. Like, that's very, very rare. Very rare, like, you know, 15, 20 years ago, when I started off 20 years ago, well, 20 years ago, if you were born in Montreal, you probably ended up doing talk radio in Winnipeg, like from two in the morning to four in the morning. Yeah. Like the fact I didn't have to relocate, the fact I did it in my home city, I'm, I'm very, very grateful. Like so, I, I just, you know, I'll never so forget the times there.
1: Tone, the first time we met in Boston, and Tim, this yeah. is back in the day when Knuckles was still juicing i was still having fun right tone yeah you're gonna show the picture no know? let me let me see if i <laughs> let me video. see if i have it at my
0: fingertips all right the, okay the,
1: the draft was in boston and we were at uh a bar um uh, a big pool hall what was the name of that place the rack the rack that's the right rack. how can i forget yeah. jim veezy was part owner of that my buddy veece and we're in there, juicing, having a blast, couple of cocktails, running around nuts, and all of a sudden, this guy comes up to me out of nowhere and gives me the "I was the biggest fan of yours ever." I mean, I'm, uh, I'm from Montreal. I'm like, okay, okay. So, That's anyway, funny. here you guys. Here out. is that evening. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. I wow. I know I have that. Send that to me, Tony. I know I have it in my photos, yeah. but send it to me. Um, so, so, so can I, uh, so, uh,
0: this is, so I see Nux there. I'm at the 99 draft. I'm a big <laughs> hockey fan. Uh, that's the year of the Sedin twins. Uh, and, um, and, uh, I see Knuckles and, um, you know, I said to him, I said, can, can I have a picture with you? He says, sure. So, uh, he, 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 he walked probably about 10 feet. He went into Nux. Remember this? He went into the, uh, little pocket that he had in his suit right and then yeah grab the teeth
2: <laughs> put them
0: in and we took the picture
1: yeah, yeah how much so, um, how
2: much longer after that did you you guys like kind of connect again
1: christ when was that 90 that was 1999 99 that was
0: 1999 and i would say the nux and i probably started to do radio together in 12
1: 2011 2012 okay. 2012
0: okay. yeah so 13 years later yeah, did you yeah. show probably hadn't seen him? Did you show him prob- the picture? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I had I had shown him the picture. Yeah, 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 I did show him the picture, but uh yeah, good times, Nux. Good times. Yeah, and and awesome. you know, what? yeah, and uh I enjoyed myself here today too. Good times here and I you know what? I I watch I watch all your podcasts, guys. Really? Yeah. I do. I watch all and I don't I don't watch a lot of podcasts. I've probably there's about 5 or 6 of them that I watch. Um Yours is your podcast, Pat McAfee's podcast, uh, are the only podcasts, sports podcasts that I watch. Yeah. Yours and Pat McAfee's. Oh,
1: like nice. I watch, yeah. you
0: know, I watch, uh, I watch some of the shows on, on on ESPN and stuff like that. But in terms of podcasting, those are the only ones that are sports related that I watch. I, I don't um, even the biggies there. Like there's yeah. a couple of them that are big.
2: Well, what, you know, what, what are the, the ones? non-sports ones? What do you What do you watch besides sports?
0: Um, yeah, so Joe Rogan. I watch Joe Rogan. Uh, have you ever watched Patrick B. David?
2: I know, you know. I know who you're talking about. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Patrick B. David. I watch him. He's very, very good. Um, I, I don't watch that many. I don't I don't watch that many, but um not enough
2: you know. time
1: in the day. You spend all day on the goddamn <laughs> yeah. computer watching it. But we appreciate Actually your support. actually I, I have a I have a lot of time in the day to type
2: Yeah, guys. that's I, I, that's I, I, right. I do. You
0: do. But you know what the one thing and I have to tell you is because now I stay home and uh instead of driving into work, I uh, I log on to a, you know I log on to the computer at eight o'clock in the morning or seven fifty. I'm on at 8:05 to like 8:21, 8:22, 15, 16, 17 minutes. And then after that, the next time I'm on, I um I'm I'm going to television downtown. I leave at like 4:30 in the afternoon. I get in 5 o'clock, I do makeup, 5:30 I'm on 5:45. So between 8:30 in the morning and 4:30 in the afternoon, I have free time. And <clears throat> for, you know, <clears throat> the first couple of months I was just sitting home and relaxing and, um, and uh, you know what? I, I, I was, I was, I'm bored. Yeah. So, you know, last week I went out to lunch with Simon and I want to, I want to go out to lunch. I'm I'm going out now to lunch with uh, a lot more often meeting a lot of people. And well, my wife, <clears throat> yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. And my wife, my wife probably had the best idea of them all. She came home today from a doctor's appointment, and she said, uh, "Tony, you and I tomorrow, we're going to join the gym." And um, so, oh no, I mean we've had this conversation a million times. I've never really stuck with it. We're going to join tomorrow, both of us.
1: Tony, tomorrow- I'm telling you, the goddamn yeah, intermittent fasting. You can go to the gym all you want. Yeah. yeah. If, if you don't do the intermittent fasting. So so that's the one thing. Uh, Nux talked to me
0: about intermittent fasting. I got on a roll with it, right? Right. And you before lost the, weight right first time the ho- in years. Right before the holidays. And I actually, I fasted once. And you don't have to do this, by the way, because a lot of people, like, they have a lot of success with the 16 off and 8 on. Yeah. But I was going 18. I was going 20. I was going 22. I was going 24. The more you go the more you're burning you're in yeah. a ketosis state right yeah but i think i started touching the stuff there and at around the holiday season and then i got back into that old uh, that bad funk again where i was eating outside my hours but i had done intermittent fasting <clears throat> i think for
2: four weeks
1: and, and you I lost, think I had lost you lost like,
2: weight i think i had lost like
1: Eighteen How'd or you nineteen feel pounds. Like,
2: were you getting like grumpy at all, or? I've, no, no. the The first
0: couple of days, I had, you know, a little, yeah, l- yeah. L- a few headaches and whatever, and I was I was uh, probably not in the best of moods. But uh, it was it was working real good. But anyway, now I spoke to. Uh, I I got to get. It worked. It clearly works. Well, get back at and, it. And 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 it's got so many benefits, by the way. That you know, uh, a couple of experts have said that if you fast for eight days. 70% of the cancer cells in your body actually leave your body. I'm not so sure I'd ever be able to do that eight days, but there's so many benefits because you're giving your 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 intestines and your body. I don't want to pretend like I sound like an expert, a break here. And I, I don't even know why I got away from it, but I didn't. I have to get back to it. And that's something that works. And another thing that works, I spoke to a buddy of mine. He said, fill up one of these four liters and have it at your All desk. Day and just drink it all day and uh four liters and so i started that a couple of days ago and i'm already feeling a lot better
1: well don't drown yourself okay that's a <laughs> lot of water um and it is yeah you're not <laughs> supposed to there, there is
0: such a thing as too much water by the way they say right but they say that Three to four liters, you can do after that. Maybe it's a little bit too much.
1: All right, I'm going to bang this out quick. Tim, do you have any of these? I Good? got a couple.
2: I think I got All a couple. Well, yeah. You
1: get a couple. You, I'm going to go first. You go second. Either or Tony, one yeah. answer or the other. Yeah. Okay, 15% tip or 20? 20.
2: Lasagna or spaghetti? Lasagna. Red mm. wine, red or white wine? Red. Espresso or cappuccino? Mm. Cappuccino. A Stanley Cup or Italy winning the World Cup?
0: Stanley Cup. <laughs> right. Ooh,
2: that's a good one. I it's like It's been too that.
0: long, right? It's been since 1993. Italy won the World Cup back in 2006. Cannoli or a zeppoli? I'm going to surprise a lot of people. Zeppoli. Everyone I... knows me as Tony Cannoli, <laughs> but the reason why I eat a lot more cannolis than I eat zeppolis is because Zeppelis are only made during zeppoli season, yeah. which is around now. Uh, and, but or else, I much prefer the taste of a zeppoli over a cannoli. Okay.
2: You, you like the old NHL
1: or the new NHL? Old NHL. All right. You stay the same age. Would you rather go 50 years backwards or 50 years ahead? 50 years backwards.
2: Uh, radio or podcast? Mm, it's a toughie he just signs off I'm going to say radio
0: <laughs> but and I know I'm going to surprise you with that yeah. radio was my first love that's why I love it but make no mistake the present and the future is podcasting the only thing that you can't do guys with podcasting i know you said one word hey, It's answer, a one
1: word answer is,
0: is is that because of copyright laws you can't play music and i used to love to play the music and to sing the songs and this and that but you know radio was my first love but podcasting has taken over guys i mean awesome. podcasting right. streaming it's taken over the
1: world slice, and we're just, a, just slice of, of pizza shut up no i'm bad slice <laughs> of pizza or an arancini slice of pizza
2: Ooh. Mozzarella or Parmesan? Mozzarella.
1: Boxers or ball huggers? Boxers. Ooh. I'm out, Nux. You're out? Okay. I only got one more, and this is a good one. I got a feeling I know what he's going to (laughs) say. Messi or Ronaldo? Messi. Messi. Yeah, huh? Messi all
0: all day, every day. Yeah. Look, they're they're both great players, but, I mean, Lionel Messi just makes everyone around him better. He's 36 years old, standing still. He still goes around three or four guys, even without moving. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo is a great goal scorer. He'll go on to be the greatest goal scorer of all time. He's already that greatest goal scorer and i don't think messi's going to be able to catch him because ronaldo's playing in saudi arabia and uh, he's had games of 3 and 4 goals yeah so right. he'll be the greatest goal scorer but i think Lionel messi is the greatest player who win to the his 8th ballon d'or to the world
2: sorry? cup sorry you ever been to a world cup
0: i did yeah i was at the world cup in brazil
2: awesome
0: and it's it's one of the and this is he loves this is soccer. something this he is, loves is, something, soccer. This no, I is something this is something that radio gave me though you know i did an interview on radio with um, Dr. Francesco Bellini, uh, who used to be one of the founders of Biochem Pharma. Uh, so, he, you know, he's done very, very well for himself. And I came across this story where, um, where he, you know, his hometown team in Italy – was uh, on the verge of bankruptcy and he came up and, and he scooped it up and he bought the team and he took it out of bankruptcy and like he was a savior for like pretty much the entire town right so I came across that story I invited him to studio he showed up to studio we spent about 45 minutes together in studio I interviewed him I thought we had a great conversation and three months later I got an email from his secretary inviting me aboard his private jet to go to Brazil for the day to watch Italy versus England. So we left at three o'clock in the morning to go to the Amazon. We arrived at 1230 in the afternoon. We had lunch. We took a nap. We went to the game, which I don't remember if it was at four o'clock or six o'clock, but we went to the game. That was at six o'clock. It was a 6 p.m. game. We went to the game and then we went to a Brazilian steakhouse right after that. And then I was I was I was and then we came back. No, we went to a label. This we, went, awesome, to a Bra- now we <laughs> went to a brazilian steakhouse the next morning we went to a brazilian uh, street festival and um you know and then we flew back so i was um i left at 3 a.m on the saturday morning and i got back on the sunday afternoon by 3 p.m 2 p.m wow. it was amazing enough time to do your show
1: the next day enough
0: time to do the show the next day yeah that's true <laughs>
1: It's Listen, true. Tony, been awesome having you, buddy. If you uh, ever want me again to, i would happy to come on. Thank you, Max. Um, you know that. And uh, Tim, cheers. nice meeting you. Yeah, you too. Thank you. As most of you know, I'm a dog person. I have a St. Bernard. Her name is Adele. Why do I feed Adele formula raw? Because I love her. I want to provide her with a healthy, well-balanced, locally sourced diet. A diet that consists of meat, chicken, fish, mixed with fruits and vegetables that her 140 pounds requires. I also feed her Formula Raw because it helps her overall energy, it helps her with allergies, and helps strengthen her overall immune system. Dimitri and Nick at Formula Raw have worked tirelessly over the last 10 years to perfect their recipe. And they've got it, because you know how I know? Adele loves it. She never, never misses a meal, and she's a healthy, big, beautiful St. Bernard. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Raw Knuckles Podcast. We'd really appreciate it if you'd like, subscribe, and share with a friend.